Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Seth Thorson, owner and president of Eurotech Automotive Repair, which has several locations in Minnesota. He also owns LMB Bavarian, which is independent technical information for vehicles manufactured by BMW. Full disclosure, I have Seth blocked on social media. What would cause me to block a successful and prominent business owner like Seth? Listen to find out. But before we get into it, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, you know what to do. Make sure it's automatically set to download the latest episode. And now, here we go. They're mad at me, and they're so nice, and they like everybody, but I'm the asshole. Like, okay, well, I, I did something wrong. But then there's a lot of people in the industry like, don't care. <laughs> you were getting ready to name somebody. Uh, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not naming individuals. Are you crazy? That's rude. No, no, I was trying not to cuss. It was a <laughs> Flip you. <laughs> so, um, so, Seth, yesterday you had a panel, right? It was you and Donnie. I don't know if it's a panel or... Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. Because I got him blocked on everything, I can't tell him directly. So there's this guy on Facebook. He chased me down. He chased me down out here. And he pulls up his app and he goes, when is... I missed this. And it was you and Donnie talking about Tesla. And he's like, I missed it. How how do I find these people? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Email Nastiff? And I'm like, tell you what, join ASOG. And Seth is on there. Why don't you message him? Uh, and I don't know what he wanted. But he's a shop owner uh, in Texas. So if you get a random message from Dutch telling you, hey, contact this guy. I don't know what he wants, but could be a subscription. I don't know. Yeah. So get in contact with him. I have no idea what his name is. I've got his picture. So hold on. Oh, boy. <laughs> so my question for you is, right, you got LNV Bavarian. What, what's the What's the Mercedes version? 
the LMV Mercedes, which is nothing. We, that's we share a platform, but I don't have anything to do on the Mercedes. Right. So my question is, are you going to do the same thing with EV? Is yeah. that something you're thinking about? Yes, we're we're working on it. We formed a company called EV Tech LLC, and right. we are working on tools, training, development for right a lot of different uh, cars. Right now, it's Tesla only, but. Um, I don't really plan to get into the legacy manufacturers other than the German stuff that we already do, but right. we will work on, we're working on some stuff. Hopefully when we Lucid and Rivian and, and all the other startups, right. try to work on that type of. That's pretty cool. Program. So, you know, a lot of guys, like you look in ASOG and there's a lot of discussions about EV. And one of the discussions is, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be way longer than what they say it's going to be. The infrastructure can't support it. All this information out there about it, you know? And they're, they're saying that, look, it, not only is it not feasible, but then you got the other side who says it's feasible, it's going to happen, but we're not going to have anything to work on anymore. Now, you said something yesterday that stood out to me because you were you were bringing up the fact they still have to be worked on, right? Mm-hmm. What What's being done to these things? Uh, we just had a Tesla 2016 Model S in dealer or Tesla, since they don't have dealers, Tesla Direct, essentially, right. had replaced the door handles with Gen 3. They left one Gen 1. Customer had two door handles that were broken. Well, Tesla gave him a huge estimate, and we said, we'll bring it over, we'll take a look. We rebuild the door handles. I built my own kits. I stocked my own kits. Right. Rebuilding the door handles, we got in and we built one. Driver's side one ended up being a Gen 3, and we're like, oh, you can't rebuild those. Right. Because for guys that don't know, the early cars had micro switches. So you pull in the handle, or you present the handle, it presents, hits the micro switch and stops. You pull it again, hits the third micro switch and opens. Three micro switches. Right. Retracts in, hits the micro switch, the motor stops. That's the early system. Late system, they update them the Hall effect sensors. Right. The Hall effect sensor sees the motor turn and stops and starts to handle. Now, they had to, had to add a third module on a retrofit harness to make the Gen 3's update work. And so we get into the car, we pull it apart. Crap, it's a Gen 3. We can't rebuild it because it's not the micro switches that failed. It's probably the handle. Is it the handle? Is it the module? Couldn't figure out what's going on. We get in there. We hook up Toolbox, which is now available as, right. as we were talking. And we go in there. We look. And we go, okay, Gen 3 door handle. We run the test. There's actual test. Hall sensors are all reading. Weird. Motor can run, but it's not working in the car. Well, that's really weird. So then we go through and do a recal, and all of a sudden it starts working. Now the passenger side stops working. Like, <laughs> oh, great. What the heck do we do now? So then we recal both sides at the same time. Everything comes working. Car's been gone. You know, a couple of weeks, customers ecstatic because he was handed one estimate by Tesla. He was handed an estimate by us, which consequently was more than Tesla for right. the door handle rebuild. Our door handle rebuilds are more expensive than Tesla. Right. But Tesla gives you a 12-month warranty. That's it. Right. We give a 336. Customers willing to pay us. For that warranty. Because they know the door handles fail, and he's had enough problems with the door handle, he's sick of paying the bill. Right. He goes, well, if Seth will give me a three-year warranty on this thing. I'll go see Seth. So my price is more, but I'm providing a warranty on it that nobody else will touch. So he wanted us to do a door handle. Right. So we did one for that repair, and then we also did the recalibration. He goes, well, just bill me for the recal. That's awesome. He was super happy. Well, that's pretty cool. So, you know, a shop owner wants to get into EV. Like, what's the first step, right? And I mean, is it even worth for a, a standard shop owner to get into it right now? So right now, EV as a general is just like working any other car. Tesla specific, the hard thing with Tesla, there was a question brought up. I can't order parts. Well, anybody can. You got to go to Tesla EPC. You fire yourself as a body shop with them. 
they know you're not a body shop. That's the only option they have on their drop down. Right. And then you send them all the pictures. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Here's tax ID and you can order parts direct through Tesla. The problem is Tesla sells parts at the same price to their customers as they sell to you as they sell to Tesla. There's no markup. Right. Their labor rates are pretty low, so there's not a lot of money margins to be made either on the labor or the parts side currently on Tesla. Is that sustainable though? I don't know how sustainable it is, but Tesla is making a lot of money on selling the cars. Unlike other traditional manufacturers, they make a pretty penny on those cars. Well, they don't have a dealer network. And so they don't have a dealer network. Yeah, the rumor in Kansas City was they were, they were running 60-hour shifts for techs just to keep up and it was months to get your car service. They are. And their techs are not incentivized at all. Their techs are straight up salary. Tesla provides all the tools. So wow. you want us to talk about flat. You, you can diverge this conversation tremendously away from right. that. But the. Well, people are signing up, though. I just they don't think they have enough. Yeah. Just for the sheer volume of cars that they, they're they, selling and are breaking down, apparently. They don't. In the meeting we had with Tesla through NASDAQ. Uh, they did say that they know they can't scale service fast enough, but I don't know that they will change their model of what they sell their parts for. Now, this is where the aftermarket comes into effect of what can we produce? Hold, hold on, hold on. But if they're not, if you can't buy parts, how, how's a normal retail customer buying parts for their Tesla? Well, if you own the Tesla, mm-hmm. you can create a service request on the app and you create a service request for parts, and then you go to your service center and pick them up. And Tesla's okay with, okay, Mr. Random Person, you're going to fix your own Tesla? Or you're going to take this box of parts and... Tesla has, if you look on their EPC, they have restricted parts. Okay. So, no, the consumer can buy certain parts. Okay. So, no, it almost becomes like a... Who cares? I don't think the normal Tesla customer... Uh, is going to buy their own parts. I mean, some of them are. Some of them are techie, like hardcore. But at the same time, it's like, are you going to go buy your own Tesla parts? No. It's like, okay, then. 
this well, is my price. <laughs> since there's no markup on parts, if it takes one to three weeks to order a part, if we're one part short, I have told the customer to go in their app and just go pick up the part because there's no markup. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's really hard in the Tesla service game right now because the customer's selling the customer knows what Tesla charges for the repair. They're selling the right. part at this. It's you know, and you're going to get guys that are going to say, just mark it up and that's your cost and that's what you have to do. But David, flick that camera right there. You're trying to get into early adoption. And it's, you know, I don't want to say you always have to be price sensitive, but to some degree, you can't be 30, 40% higher than Tesla, even right. if they are that long a wait. Yeah. Well, and I mean, here's the thing is so my biggest question for you is, is like, say we're moving forward with this and we've got shop owners who want to do this. I mean, is it viable right now, though? I mean, is it even like we're seeing more and more hybrid? We're seeing more and more EV. Is it a viable business market for them to begin to pursue that? I mean, it, it, clearly that's what's coming, right? We know that's yep. what's coming. So, I mean, is it viable for them? How do they get started? I, I guess that's my question. It's viable if you're willing to be one of the first adopters, early adopters movement circle and know that you're writing off a substantial amount of this as R&D and research and development and marketing. So right. this is where knowing your profit and loss, knowing your financials, where do you allocate? We tend to allocate the full repair of what would normally be a full markup. Right. And then we discount the repair off the, to our training. We discount some of the repair off the marketing. And so we show where our costs on this repair are going. Because right. that's how to really run a proper smart. P&L. That's how to run a proper P&L, right? What yeah. would this repair have to charge to be... To be profitable, but we can't do it to be profitable. The rest, yeah. So I write off, you know, five hundred dollars the marketing. I write three hundred the training. I like that. How do you hold on? I'm trying to think. How do big companies? (laughs) I think I can do this with other repairs, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to be careful because you can you can justify sub sub discounting a lot of repairs, but I know. <laughs> I don't discount any of mine. I I I, I build it from cost and then yeah, you know, yeah. That's the same. You're just that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that's what I do. Playing games, that's but I mean, don't. emerging technology. I think you really do have to look at if I'm going into a new car line or a new emerging technology. Every company has an R and D budget. Every company has a training budget. You're gonna have to expense some of that out. Right. It's you know, or if you want to wait till everybody's figured it all out. That's fine. To be profitable in EVs, the biggest thing we're waiting for is aftermarket parts. Right. Because then we get our normal parts margin, our labor well, rates are, are relative, and we have you gotta, warranties. I mean, you've got enough EVs out there. Chevrolet's been selling them for almost 10 years, right? I mean, I know Tesla's been around since, what, 07? Well, not counting the Roadster, but uh, when did the first Model S came out? 12, yeah. So, I mean, it, there are enough Priuses on the road. I guess it depends on your area. So if there's enough Priuses on the road, enough Chevrolet bolts and like David's like Leafs. Ideal client. <laughs> That's right. I, I love right. Priuses. Are you kidding me? I'd I'd work on Dude, Priuses all day long. Justin Allen has Priuses, and that's what he because you know he's a he's a hunter rep, so yeah. he goes all over North Carolina, and he's like, I couldn't imagine driving something else. Just they're awful to drive. Well, I mean, but for him, think about that. Think about how much he drives yeah. just in one day. Sure. I mean, because we're so spread out where we're at. Right? Yeah. You might drive 200 miles and not be anywhere. I, I I like Priuses because it's easy to justify the cost of almost any repair to a Prius owner. They come in with 250,000 miles and they're like, 
do I really drop three grand, four grand, five grand on this car? And you're like, I would. No problem. If the body's in good shape, whatever. Right. Easy, easy to justify the cost because they're such good cars. They're reliable. The last. They're so really I, I, I'd go Prius all day long. <laughs> now the Chevrolet Volt. That thing's a flaming pile. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's a flaming pile. <laughs> it, it literally is on fire. <laughs> I mean, <my laughs> I think that thing is a that is a constant check engine light chasing this, that, and the other cooling system problems, and then the engines garbage. They're fun to drive, though. I did. They're I, they're much more fun to drive than the. You know, I, I I did actually take in a Dodge Promaster van with a check engine light to our shop the other day. I saw that. Hey, did you see that? No, you've got a block. Never yeah. I, I, we, had, we had a Dodge Promaster van with a check engine light. You, you, you Dodge in my shop, that's kind of weird. But you know what the step one of fixing the check engine light is? Take the gas tank out, the drive shaft out, the engine and transmission out, and the cluster out. We fixed the check engine light and put a Tesla drive unit in. No more problems. That's pretty cool. We fixed the Dodge problem, check yeah. engine light problem. Don't even bother scanning it. Just remove all the stuff. That's so how you fix a Dodge. T- tell the story of that. Why was that done? That customer is a customer in Pennsylvania that he is taking that van and he has an electric mowing company, lawn care company, and he charges extra money to be a completely green energy company. Wow. He's going to put solar panels on the van, a ramp. He's going to drive all his electric lawnmowers in there, show up at people's houses. He does completely green How did you charge for that job? Uh, To do a van... Parts and labor, you're going to be anywhere from fifty to seventy thousand, depending on options. Okay. Plus the van. Did you come up with this, or is there a kit? There's a company out of out of California, and we're prototype testing the feasibility of installing it outside their facilities. Oh, that's cool. It is really cool. So you're saying parts, though? Parts are big holdup, right? Are For Tesla. To, well, I'm just saying aftermarket. Parts I get parts from my bolt all day. Well, no, but I'm saying, especially with Tesla, though, I mean, where? But what I don't, I don't understand the obsession. But like, I understand your obsession with Tesla. Like, that's that's a brand new market. Yeah. You're trying to be at the forefront. Makes perfect sense. You've got the training company. And like, I mean, that yeah, fits I have you, multiple but it, entities that yeah, just a shop. It's it's a hard normie like, people like normie shops. Like, what's the obsession with Tesla? Dutch just said, "Don't start. None won't be none." I don't know what's up with that. I didn't say anything bad about Dutch. I said he was he very direct. He said it was to me. You? I must have said something. What's that? I don't know. But maybe I should say something like, I don't know. Because you uh, you asked about me uh, or me blocking Seth on Facebook. No, now. I'm sure that's not what he's talking about. He's probably worried I'm going to say something like, I don't sell parts in labor. I sell a repaired vehicle. And he's if I say that. Well, we can talk about that later. He's going to get really upset. Seth already looked at his watch. He's very busy. I know. He is no, busy. I... I got a tech problem. That's right. He does that. Hey, a listen. Tech problem. Did the guy show up late? It doesn't matter what's going on. Seth does that. That's so just what Seth does. if you have a supremely talented tech and the guy doesn't show up, but like six to eight minutes late on the daily, do you bail on him? We we document it and we work on change of behavior. If there's no change of behavior at a certain amount of time, yes, that tech would probably be let go in our company. We have a, don't have much tolerance for tardiness. And we, we have a, a change plan. We, we have some documents we work on with them. But, yes, we, we do expect our, our people to be there. What's what's the, what's the your game plan? Like, kind of break that down a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you, like, nobody's on time at my shop. <laughs> Ever. We just switched topics, like, 180 degrees here. 
Yeah. Yes. He, he, he oh, he, he, he doesn't listen to the podcast. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. As far as my my guys, I mean, if we're booking appointments, we're booking rides. Our team depends on each other. Yeah. So you're also laying your teammate down when you're not there on time. So yeah. I mean, Simon Sinek start with why, right? We're going to explain why it's important to be on time. Right. Why that you are an integral part to your team. Why even if you're the porter and you don't show up on time, and all of a sudden we had a customer Cruise ride production, yeah. that. Yeah. Now the customer bails, we lose a tech production, everybody's a part of this team, right. and we ask that people be on time. We get it if it's a one, like your kid's sick, you're going to be late. I mean, that stuff happens, but yeah, right. if it's habitual, like, even if it's six or eight minutes, what level What level of incompetency are you willing to put up in your business? What level, yeah. What? How, how much are you, okay, so you let that go. Then what do you let go next? What do you let go next? What do you let go next? Right. Yeah, I can see that. I, I I understand the slippery slope argument. I guess, and at least in my shop, it's like so relaxed. I, I like yours. It's very obvious. It's a well-oiled machine, right? And that that's how you demand it has to be a well-oiled machine. Uh, it's not at my shop. It's a hangout place. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's as much as what I demand is to people under me. Yeah, but it starts with you. Like if you right. don't set the tone right. and you don't come in there, like I mean, we were mosey and i made him late because you know I, that's the thing so <laughs> we come, for time because i was here at nine o'clock <laughs> you weren't here and she was supposed to take that what the sign oh, the sorry. nine to one o'clock sign it's well no because we'll have to like cross it off and be like till we're done <laughs> <laughs> till done till done well i i just um and it, it could that could be absolutely an issue if you I guess if you you bring them in and you set the tone, this is like these are ground rules. You have to show up on time. It starts because with we're on, yeah. It starts from onboarding. I mean, yeah, it's right. Laid out well, and you've got a really cool training, right? Have you ever seen his training or any of the videos? I haven't seen the training, but I know he was like, right. building I mean, the like training. I remember when you were building the training. Yeah, it's it's extensively version three of maybe even what anybody else has seen now. It's on yeah V three of revisions. How much time does it take to do that? Because, I mean, that's like a full-time job, right? I, I mean, no, I don't do it. I, I dream up the idea, and then I got a team of people that, like, right. make things happen. <laughs> that's what you need is got, a team of people, Lucas. I've got a team of people. Do you? They're busy. They got things to do. <laughs> well, I mean, so, so okay. Yeah, he does. I. You're right. You do have a train. All of this got set up by your team of people. Right. And it was commendable what he did. It was a lot of hard work. I mean, to answer that question, it, I I task Daniel with my vision of what we want. Right. And I give him timelines. And if he can't meet the timelines, he goes, it's not because I'm incompetent, Seth. I, I, there's too much. I can't do it. So at that point, right. it's like, okay, what do you need to get done? I, I need an assistant part-time. Great. So I believe in this project. What's the budget to do this project? Do we have that in the budget? Okay. So we can hire an assistant She's part-time in college, $15 an hour. You can direct her. We'll set up. We use Rike, which is a project management. We'll set up a project management software. You delegate down to her. If we give you all this, Daniel, can you meet your timeline? All right. Yeah, if you give me all that, I'll meet my timeline. And then I hold them accountable to meet the timeline. Well, so... You I'll know, say you get it done. Yeah, that's how you get done. I mean, that's pretty awesome, yeah. right? And I mean, it's pretty detailed. Like, it goes from... It's like, very it's very corporate world. Like, that's right. what it sounds like. Yeah, I don't come from a corporate background, though. So. Yeah, but you're, you're implementing things that are practices that you see in much larger corporations. You know, a billion-dollar corporation functions like that. 
Like that's how they get anything done. Otherwise, you know, it'd be mass chaos. Well, You've it, got eight hundred employees. I mean, how do you deal with all that? It falls to the bottom of the scale. Anything that's not a priority falls to the bottom and doesn't get done. So if you don't yeah. make it a priority and you don't have prioritization of your tasks that you want done, it can fall down. And there are times we recycle tasks. We have a task right now. I was talking to Daniel before I came over here that we're we're moving. Daniel's my CEO of the company, runs all the locations, ops guy. Uh, we have a task that we're moving down the list and reprioritizing something up the list. And we know right. that we have to then talk together and go, okay, we're going to move this one up. We feel this is more important right now. Timeline on this is now this date. Timeline on this is now this date. Right. In other words, uh, communication, right? Continual communication to determine where we want to go. Yeah. Um, and Wednesday, so- Wednesday morning or Wednesdays are meetings. And if the, whether I'm in town, out of town, he's out of town, we right. communicate on Wednesdays. That's our one-to-one meeting right sure that's pretty cool i have too much add for all that nonsense yeah david i'd be throwing just projects and problems like hey i got this new idea slap get it done in three weeks i gotta go well i i'm actually i'm very much like that so daniel has what he calls 12 uh notebooks of seth crazy seth ideas (laughs) and if i mention a couple times he goes son of a gun i actually have to get this done yeah right Uh, but then it's a matter of him communicating back to me going not gonna happen or so you're yeah. crazy or so he does push back yeah that's healthy, healthy yeah well yeah is good yeah, yeah. what well, a, if he was that, just a yes man i i don't think you know it would I, work I get frustrated yeah. with him but if you yeah just a but yes that's man, it, it's not good sure sure is, is he a different personality type oh very much yeah is he He's more a project task manager like I can't get these guys to do this. I'm frustrated. He walks into one of my, st- he's a details guy. I mean, he's great. Yeah. He walks into one of my stores and go, this guy bought his old monitor. This is a company issued monitor. What the heck are we doing? It doesn't look uniform. Yeah. He's the guy that will, you know, he'll hold the people accountable, right. but he's good at doing it in a very caring way. Right. And Seth's just like, screw you. Well, I mean, <laughs> smash the monitor down. You're fired. Get out. <laughs> um, I'd probably just ignore it. Daniel's really good at holding all that stuff and putting all the pieces together and and really that accountability aspect. That's good. Well, you know, I've got a brother who runs the other family business and he very, very much is that entrepreneurial mind, right? He can go in and he can see the vision of what he wants it to be and he can think really big, but he doesn't have anybody to kind of bring that down to a realistic world, right? And that's huge because you kind of need somebody to, to get you back in your bounds, especially when you think that way. There's big visions, big dreams of what you can do, the things that could happen, right? You've got to have somebody that can bring that back to a realistic level. Because if you don't, I mean, you're not effective. You're wasting time on stuff that's not going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, our dynamic change, we read the book Rocket Fuel. Right, Rocket Fuel? Rocket Fuel is a book on integrator and visionary. Mm -hmm. And that book really changed me and Daniel's dynamic because I probably would have fired him or he probably would have quit. Because it was just constant headbutting, and we understand our personalities. We understand that he can't function without my ideas, but I can't achieve my vision without his implementation. Sure. And it goes further than you can get in the full EOS systems, which we run a, a small version of EOS or traction. Um, but that type of relationship and understanding each other's personalities helped us to grow to be able to do the things he does. And on my tech support training side, I got Justin. You guys know Morgan, and he's really good at implementing things. We had an idea for a transfer case class, and, and I had the idea, but Justin really handled all the details. And then I flew him out, and I had an idea how we wanted to film and do this, but Justin handled. Okay, well, we can 
do it this way, this way, and got the ideas down. And, you know, I mean, Justin's a great one at doing that as well. I mean, I got a really good team of people that implement in my various aspects of my businesses. Uh, my, you know, I got a rental property and I got Megan, who's my executive assistant. And she's really good at delegating out the rental stuff and management companies. And so I don't have to deal with it. Sure. That's what you need to do is understand my personality type. What diva? Is that what you're getting at here? <laughs> yeah. Explain to me how I'm a diva. You, you listen. I have never seen somebody who is so particular about everything in my entire life. I mean, I, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, Trisha posted something about M and M's the other day, and he's like, "I would like to have a bowl with just one color M and M's. I don't like all the different color." M- you know, so David, if that was you a want, fantastic if, David. If you want comment, that, though, uh, no, so. if you want that, one point six miles down the strip here, M and M World. You can get as many single color M and M's as you want. <laughs> I don't even need M and M's, dude. <laughs> Man, the what was particular was the saying, Fiji water. It's got to be the Fiji water. The Fiji water. It's got to be Fiji, Fiji water. water. Yeah. If you go out of town, it's Fiji water the whole time. We, we've defined our roles in the podcast. He's the whining, bitching complainer. I'm the complainer. Yes. If you're smart, you walk down the road. You go to Walgreens. You can buy the Fiji water for way less money. Yeah, I know, but it's Fiji a matter of like I carry it back to my room. Well, yeah, I don't drink the the twenty six dollar uh, a pop. Fiji water from the hotel Yeah, room. dude, did you see that? No, I don't touch it. Well, of course, I'm just saying. Like, if I bring you, like a little yellow cordon and rope off. Like, don't even look at it. Yeah, dude, that. if you if you so much as pick up that bottle of water, they charge you twenty seven dollars. Yep. You know? Yeah. Well, that's, you got to unscrew the top and suck it out, and then fill it back. With I, I wonder if we could transfer that technology into my shop. You pick up that oil filter. It's getting built to the uh, <laughs> to oh, actually, ticket. That's actually, a good idea. There you I, go. He's like, well, I've got it already. No, we, we beta tested something for BMW about five years ago where we were doing consignment inventory for BMW. They had weighted shells. When we removed the part, BMW billed us. That's awesome. They had That's it. pretty scanned it, And then they would come. They would do a physical inventory once a month. BMW corporate canceled. Our dealer loved it because we'd carry $10,000 yeah. of BMW fast-moving parts in inventory. We'd grab it and build us. We didn't have to inventory it. They checked it. Right. And it was a consistent bill coming in. Yeah, that consistent makes sense. bill for what we used. And we got a steeper discount on what we could sign. And they poo-pooed it? Corporate? Uh, BMW corporate. I think the technology probably was a little early. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they bring it back or somebody else brings it back because that thing was awesome. That's the, crazy. You don't think it's at all a move away from even supporting independence? Or do, do you feel that some of these German brands are pro-independent repair shops? Uh, there's, there's different divisions within the brand. So you're going to have the dealers that want to protect themselves. You have the sales department that does, but then you have BMW has, um, an after sales team and a rep that visits the shop once in a while. I mean, BMW has divisions that try to support it, but you're still limited at buying through the dealer, right? There's not one voice. Yeah. So that gets challenging depending on your relationship with your OEM dealer, right? So, I mean, where where do you see us going, right? As an industry, five, six years. I mean, you're you're one that everybody knows, right? We all have the, the same friends. We all run in the same circles. Everybody values, you, values your opinion. Where are we going, right? What's going to change, you know, because there, there's so many people, they're afraid of the EV. They're afraid of ADOS. They're afraid of what's coming. They're, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. It's not ever going to come to me. You know, David Felton, the other day, he made a comment. He said, oh, it'll be 20 years before I see that where I'm at. Where are we going and what does that look like for the, uh, the smaller independent guys? 
Well, everybody knows how to do a SWOT analysis, right? Right. I would encourage you to then start doing a pest analysis for your own belief. What's a pest analysis? Political, economic, social, technology. Okay. Same type of thing as a SWOT, right? Pest is a different terminology. Um, I think you're going to see the EVs are going to move faster or slower depending on our political climate. Okay. And I don't want to get into a political discussion. It's, that's not what this is about. But Oh, we can do it. We could, but we're not. <laughs> we're going to avoid that. Politics affect what we do, whether whatever yes. side on your aisle. So yeah. if let's just say Biden gets his transportation bill passed. Right. That includes an increase. Knock on wood. It includes an increase in gas tax a lot. It includes right. a lot of EV incentives. You're going to see the needle move much faster because there's economic, there's political, yeah. and there's economic, the two You're, sides of the pest analysis. Some of these corporations forces. are doing that already, though. Yeah. I mean, GM, all EV by 2035, forced the dealerships out that weren't willing to put in the infrastructure. So how, how much of this is really going to be pushed by the political climate well, it's pushed by political because they're responding to the political requests and they're responding to do you do you think that though what's that what's that acronym like epo corporations oh uh i can't remember that though i'm gonna look it up but i mean that the reality is how fast we'll move is right. gonna Point largely dependent on what happens in the political environment because that will right. what they're allowed to sell and not allowed to sell will determine how fast it happens Right. So, again, it doesn't matter what side you're on. You just, as a business owner, when I tell all my people, as a business owner, my job is to ensure the viability of my company. Right. And so I need to understand what's going on in the political realm to understand where I need to move my pieces. Right. So that's my job is to not really care which side, but yeah, understand exactly. the political yeah. stature and what's going on. So I can, my job is to ensure the viability of my customers, my company. Right. For my employees. That's the job as a, as a leader in the company. Well, and that's what's really interesting about what David Felton said the other day, right? Because that's really what he was talking about is he brought up the fact that, hey, listen, in my area, we're just not going to see that here in the way that we see it in other areas, right? We're very, very rural, right? But you will, you will if gas prices are $10 a gallon. Yeah, if, exactly. If they, if you have can, to see that change if they coming. Keep, if they keep going... Right, you can't just be closed-minded. If in the next four years we have a change and all of a sudden they roll back, EVs will slow down. If they go forward, if we keep going forward with the marching orders that we're currently having, and you need right. to plan for both, if you see $10 a gallon gas and you see $15,000 rebates off an EV, and all of a sudden you're looking yeah. at a $40,000 EV that's now $15,000 tax rebate, you're now... Looking at a $25,000 EV, you're looking at $7 a gallon gas. You're looking at how much right. gas you use. You know, will they do things like Europe? Yeah. Uh, you guys know there's a tax to drive into city centers if you do not have an EV. So every hmm. time you enter city center, there's a tax. So let's say Uber and all these companies that buy these vehicles, they're very big player in all the people that own those vehicles. Right. To some degree, even the individual drivers. Right. Even if they're doing it part-time. If... City of Minneapolis, City of Charlotte, some of these cities start charging a tax to enter their city without an EV. You're going to see those guys say, "Well, I need to get rid of this car." Sure. And you're going right. to see it's going to shift if very you quickly. See some, and you got to look at what other parts of the world are doing, what's going on across the country. If these things start coming to fruition, you'll see ED adoption come much quicker. If they don't, you'll see it. You'll see it stagnate out further. Right. But it. 
So we could be five to six years. But then again, you're not going to have those cars in your bays for three to five years after. So at the right. at the at the short term, we're eight years away from mass EVs in our service bays. Right. At the long term, we could be 15 years. It's, so it's I mean, ESG, it's ESG, environmental, social, and governance, and it's a it's a corporate philosophy where they no longer prioritize maximization of profit. Uh, it's we want to see environmental impact, social impact. Right. We want to see those things first before we generate a profit, and so they'll they'll generate less of a profit because they're forwarding some something that they believe is good for society as a whole right well and i mean so if if so it may not be like political it may not be the the government saying you have to do it this way but you get enough ideologues and i'm not saying that in a negative connotation people that believe something very specifically come into corporate power like the ceo now of of gm she made that decision and yeah you could say well she's looking at what is coming down the road Look at the elections last night. This can shift and change all of a sudden, swing way the other way yep. very quickly. And all of a sudden, all of this push for EV gets squashed. But if these people are in power, they're going to push it regardless. If the only thing you can buy from GM is EV, whether the government says so or not. Right. As right. opposed to a top-down enforcement. Like you were saying, the city centers just tax everybody taxing the crap out of you. To ensure that you get into the type of vehicle they want you to drive. Well, and that's that's where I, that's where my big push is. Every every leader in the organization should start looking at all this and draw some things out and understand and make their own informed decisions. Not listen to three talking heads in the middle of Apex. Right? They should. Yeah. They, they should, should absolutely. Own, they the ones that are own. not listening are going to be out of business in three to five years. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds bad, but it's. I mean, seriously, <laughs> like if you're on the downslope. In other words, if you're on the on the way out, you're looking at retirement, things like that. That's one thing. I'm just saying the people that don't listen to this podcast are the worst. And <laughs> they deserve everything they get in life. <laughs> you're an awesome uh, so uh, <laughs> what, one thing that, um, oh, let's see. Brett Fadley says old Palmetto should be good at pest analysis. You've not touched <laughs> the camera to keep it away, can you? What's that? Um, and uh, then, I mean, uh, that's just that's just a it's a fact that, you know, I know there's a lot of things to do as a shop owner, but it's a fact of something you should be trying you, to do. You have to do it right. I mean, you have to stay forward. What thinking. is your what is your job? What's the biggest job as the owner of your company? Ensuring the viability of the company. Sure. Right? Uh, Jim Kokonis wants to know what about uh, only offering tax rebates only on vehicles made by union workers? That's another political move right now. And that will probably hurt Tesla and the Excel the that's going to hurt a lot of the import or uh, the Germans. Honda, yeah, Honda, uh, Nissan. They use well, all non-unionized labor. Yep. Yeah, and then who knows how that? I mean, it's five thousand bucks, right? So it's it's not like we're talking. It, Is it was this in the in the Biden plan? Yeah, it's in. So they get seventy five hundred dollar rebate if it's non-union and under ninety thousand dollars or something. There's a threshold, so you can't get it. There, again, you can't get a rebate on a luxury car. So there's a, I forget what the exact threshold is. Please don't quote me on that number. But there, and then it's $5,000 additional if it's a union-made car. <sighs> I have such a huge problem with this. 
I again, I don't pers- personal personal belie- personal beliefs are different than what we need to look at as a business owner. No, no, to make no. I, I understand. I mean, you. I understand that's your direction, but I'm. It's not how I operate. <laughs> I he will go down. At all. I, I go. Look, I'll I go down got, in flaming got, wreckage and enjoy it. Science. I know, right? He plugs sidewalls. What's that? <laughs> I plug sidewalls. We all saw the tape. <laughs> okay, so those of you who I'm gonna block know, you too. <laughs> who are watching? I told you I'm sensitive. I'm about. very sensitive. <laughs> That's what this is all about. Is Seth said something about David's banner is a sign. And oh, it really upset me. You never said anything about my banner as a sign. Did you say something to me about my banner no, as a sign? No, I said something to I couldn't talk to you anymore. That, when I said that, you blocked him. When I was picking on you about your banner and the sign, that's when you blocked him. No, no, no. He, he was getting upset about the um, Patreon account. That's when I blocked him. Because oh. he kept like, commenting about the Patreon account. I'm like, block. Done. <laughs> <laughs> you can, Did I, you ever become a patron? Oh. Well, well you you're go. here now. You can share your grievances with everyone. <laughs> no, that's all right. You guys got other sponsors now. So you're good. What's that? You we sponsors. don't have any sponsors. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? We don't do the sponsor thing. We hang out with our friends and we talk. No, we, a- we asked for sponsors. Popeye's Chicken. Oh, yeah. Popeye's M&Ms. Chicken. No, M&Ms. no. I'm not a big fan of M&M's. I like M&M's. I'm though. a Mike Only and Ike guy. So M&Ms. this is all about you then. I Mike hit. Yes. I'm a diva. You said that earlier. Diva Dave. Diva Dave. Sony wants to contribute cameras. I'll, you know, we'll pitch for Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Rode. Yeah. I love I their know. microphones. Fantastic yeah. microphones. Sure yeah. wants to hook us up. We're using Sure headsets and there Rode mics. Yeah. I mean, we'll take sponsors. Your tech can become a sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. LMB v- Bavarian. Yeah. There you go. So, hey, I, I do have a serious question, though. Mercedes, right? Um, a, a while back, somebody asked uh, one of our in one of our live streams about the deal that's going on with Mercedes and asked if the whole big deal. Explain that in a way that folks can understand that. What's going on with that? Well, Mercedes is not, by the, or is not following the agreement, the MOA they assigned with NASDAQ. And there are some actions that are being taken that I really can't talk about. But there are actions being taken by NASDAQ to actively bring Mercedes back into compliance with the agreements that they signed with the aftermarket. Okay. So that's what NASDAQ works for you for. And the hard thing is any government agency, any regulatory boards, any times working with the OEMs, None of this happens fast. Everybody wants it to happen the minute yeah. that they want it to happen. Right. None of this stuff happens. They just have to go fast. down to the DMV and realize right. how fast government works. Right, man. But none weird. of this happens fast. I can assure you that there are a lot of SAR complaints filed against Mercedes and that NASDAQ is very aware okay. and working on many, many solutions. And if you want more information, I would. we have a meeting coming up okay. in November general meeting okay where you can ask questions and we can give direct answers you're also going to have a time to you can look at the nasdaq website we do release information throughout okay. there um and that would be more donnie's job so you really want all that inside information that's more donnie's right. job i'm just a board member right but donnie would okay. really have all of that information of what can be released and what can't be so 
Right. I don't want to speak too much of of course not. And, on that. and you know, so uh, look, here's the thing, and, and me and you have talked about this before. A lot of our listeners, a lot of the members of ASOC, don't even know what NASF is, right? And and then you've got the others who say, look, I've, I've got this tool and it does everything I need. I don't have I, I don't have a, a reason to have a, a VSP. What do you say to somebody that says that? So going forward, I think it'll be much more required. You're going to see SDRM, secure data. You're going to see that be a bigger player. Um, one of the talks with Tesla right now, and this was released on the stage so I can talk about it. One of the talks with Tesla is they're trying to crack NASDAQ and we're trying to penetrate Tesla. And they're doing back and forth attacks to see if it's secure. And one of the things Tesla's looking for before they release everything to independent is do we have a secure platform that we can right. ID who is accessing our cars? Right. What are they doing to our cars? And are they a good are they are they licensed? Are they bonded? Are they a upstanding citizen? Are they doing all the things that they should be doing? Well, you know, so there's a lot of people who hate on NASDAQ. And and they also stand under the guise they want to improve the industry, right? Doesn't it stand to reason that doing exactly what you just talked about, making sure the person working on the car is genuinely a professional, doesn't it stand to reason that makes our industry better? Yeah, there's a there, there's plenty of uh, non board seats that are committee seats that are very much in need of people. So somebody wants to put their money where their mouth is, reach out to Donnie and take a committee seat. There's all sorts of committee seats. Huh. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like everybody was complaining about it, but but there's nominations and there's, there's the option to talk. And I mean, anytime I've ever asked Donnie a question or anybody involved with them, it's forthright. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty straightforward and pretty open and honest about, I mean, when we released the 2.0, when they released 2.0, I wasn't involved with NASDAQ at that point, but there was a lot of challenges, right? Yeah. Now there's tech support calls. They answer calls back. If you don't have something done, they'll get back to you in a, in a pretty timely manner right. and help you through it. I mean, the object is not to lock people out. And even if some people have some stuff they've done in the past, if you disclose it, there's often remediation. There's work that can be done to, to approve you. It's not that you're permanently... But we got to make sure that you're doing the right thing. You're accessing yeah. secure data from the manufacturers, right. um, and you know the statistics show, and they can track, they can track a stolen car, almost right. back to who released the key code and where it came from, and if they shared a login or shared data. And you think if that car comes back to some, and sometimes they didn't do it in purpose, or sometimes it was a legal transaction, but you don't think that. There shouldn't be a phone call and tracing yeah. of of, of sure. that, right? So what what happens to these folks who have this equipment that's doing some of this? Hold on, I have a question. Okay, let's ask it. Is it is it more car theft or is it more the manufacturer trying to protect their intellectual property? A lot of it's theft. Really? I mean, I there, there. there's almost a million car thefts a year. Yeah. You know, a lot of cars get jacked in Kansas City. 99% of them is they left the key in the car. Yes, and that's the majority of it, yes. <laughs> then that's even NASDAQ will tell you that. But a lot of them, well, the biggest thing that happens with them is, right, they try to jack them, get the 4G card out, they load them on chips, and they're across the seat. Wow. They're, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, you can look it up, but you can. there's prices in other countries mm-hmm. for... A clean car and a dirty car. Really? Where do you look that up? What do I search for? 
<laughs> I forgot. I, fi- I, had to go the dark web, I found it at one point. I found an article at one point. This was five or six years ago. Right. And there's there's information out there, but then, is it like half price? I don't know what the oh. discount was, and I, that was five <laughs> or six years ago. I don't know what it is now, but this is where the rings do, do things with cars. There's reasons for security. There's reasons to make right. sure that we're doing the right thing. And if we want to legitimize our industry, right? Right, and I mean this that's is what we all talk of, about. That's what we want, it. right? I mean, like some of us want that. There's people that don't care, right? They're the ones raging against, you know, why do I need this? Why do I need that? Right. But I, I can see the argument. But needing, I, needing it. Well, I mean, I, I think if if we want to pay tax more, right? We want to be able to charge appropriately for the services we offer. We want to be seen as professionals, not grease monkeys. These are steps that have to be taken, right? I mean, that's the only way around it. I mean, I guess, yeah, you're doing it without without those steps in place. A lot of shops are. But but there's also the guy at the at the quick lube or whatever it may be, who's still getting us all a bad reputation because he used a three eighteen you know, pack to put the drain plug back in. You know, I, I don't mean, I don't think it's those guys that that's the problem. It's the the half assers. It's the the places that just want to do steering and suspension. That's all they want to do. And when the check engine light comes on, they'll scan it, throw the part on there, and seventy percent of the time it works. And right. people conflate your good independent repair shop that's putting the time and energy to become licensed, bonded, certified, have their ESP, get good equipment, send their people to training. They're conflating that shop that throw the part on there because the code says says it to that type of repair shop. And then the customer doesn't know. They're confused. That shop's more prevalent. The steering suspension only slap the part in there because the code kicked on. And they're successful. Those shops have money. They're, they're just generating a ton of revenue, put, put pumping cars out like crazy. I think they give the shop, the, the industry, a, a terrible name. What say you? I, you know, I don't, I don't know because I don't associate with a lot of those shops. I mean, most of my association tend to be the shops that they're doing the right thing and diagnosing the car in the right way. So I don't, I'm not as involved in that segment of the Yeah, market. but you, you, you see them come into your shop. You have to see them come into your shop. You know, it's a shop that went the, the the BMW that went down to a shop that had no business touching that car, trying to fix something that they had no business trying to fix. And now the car gets towed into your shop, and they fried module A and B, and they installed that incorrectly, and that's leaking because they used the wrong so were gasket. You, were you at said shop when they did all that? No, but you see the you see yeah. the receipt, you hear the story from the customer, and then you look down and you're like. They used the wrong gasket on this, the wrong material on this, the wrong oil. They used the wrong procedure. That's why that module's fried. Yeah, like Mini Cooper. Our job is just yeah. our job we, is just to document we what we find, and we leave the rest. To the I'm customer. not ta- talking talking crap about yeah about them to the customer, but I mean we're on an industry podcast. That shop is giving everybody a bad name because the customer doesn't understand that they, they have no business working on these systems of that car. They don't, they, a lot of them don't know what they don't know. They don't even right. know what they did was incorrect. They had no training. They had no. I don't think they're well, trying to. But, but what sucks is, is they're not profitable enough to stand behind their mistake. No, they're pro- very profitable. That's they're, the problem is they're extremely profitable doing what they're doing. That they're but, either not profitable enough to stand behind the mistake and fix it, or they are unwilling to stand behind the mistake and fix it. Right, right. I've There's, seen extremely profitable shops 
they'll tow it to a shop and 50% of the time they'll pay for the repair because they know they screwed up. And the other 50% of the time they absolve themselves of all culpability. Say, no, it wasn't us. It wasn't our fault. This is a different problem. So that you're going to make the customer eat this $1,800 bill or whatever. I think that's becoming less and less because I'm seeing less and less of it coming to my shop. I think customers are generally getting a little smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I think they realize that, I think in the last few years, I think customers realize how technologically advanced their cars are. And they're they're getting a little bit smarter about that stuff. Right. Maybe you're dealing with more... um, tech savvy customers just in general because of what you do i i just i see it all the time i, I see it all the time and but it's it, it, the ones that are look the customer is looking for the cheapest shop the cheapest discount by the time that gets to you anyways let's be honest that's not even it, it's not a customer that okay you're gonna have to fix that car but they're gonna go back to that same place oh yeah yeah because they don't want because they already know i'm expensive and they don't want to deal with me anyways i I tell the story about the two-star review we got right and i tell that story quite a bit but you know that lady she came to us and she said they the other shop they've looked at it three times they can't find that noise blah 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 bring it in we look at it and because we were more expensive right they didn't want to fix it that day didn't even they they just had to have the car back if it's not a safety issue we want the car back cool got it back to them they left I'd written an estimate. I went over the estimate with them, and I get a two-star review because I'm more expensive than the other shop. And she said, you know, I went there because they could get me right in. No, you went here because they couldn't find the problem, and now I'm more expensive. If if they're not your client, they're not your client. And, and you know, we brought this up yesterday when we were talking about the class. Qualifying a customer does not necessarily mean just dollars. Right. So many owners think when we talk about qualifying clients that we're talking about dollar bills. No, we're talking about do you do you offer what that client wants? And and does that client fit your mold of the client that you can serve at a high level, right? In other words, like my clients wouldn't fit well in your shop. His clients wouldn't fit well in my shop. I mean, it's just the way it works, right? You build those relationships with those people and they like what they like. So, I mean, I think qualifying a client's a whole lot bigger than just dollar bills. What I'm really talking about is Hyundai oil filters. What's a Hyundai? Exactly. I love Hyundais and Kias. They're good money makers. Here's the deal with the Hyundai oil filter. Probably about right for you. Hyundai. Hyundai. They accept sidewall tire plugs for the... (laughs) It's not even me. I'm not even doing this. That's all him. I just know how to, like... You know, I have to tolerate so much. I have to tolerate so much. He's just twisting that dagger on you, Dave. It's okay. You want to explain it? You at least want to explain it. What? I've, no, here. I've explained. I've, I've heard the explanation. I just don't. Don't believe it? I don't remember exactly what was going on with that. I looked at the picture after that, and I went, maybe we were plugging the sidewall. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think he was trying to take a nail out of it uh, initially in the picture, and that's what it looked like. But when I looked closer, I'm like, I don't remember. That text coming back coming back to work for me so i'll have to ask him do you remember the situation are you going to set the policy in place that he's not to plug sidewalls we don't we don't use those rubber plugs at all at our shop anymore um because of how unreliable they are they do tend to leak 
um, we, we stopped out kind altogether. The industry guideline kind of says that shouldn't be done too. Yeah, but they still sell them. And so, like, you still have to, like, I mean, it, you, it's it's okay to sit on, a, like, a pedestal. And they sell and cigarettes think, and we know they cause cancer, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Then I, I, I get it. But in the, I'm not, I'm not talking about from the industry. I'm talking about the customer's mindset. They're like, I don't understand why you can't, dot, dot, dot. And so, I mean, you can argue with the customer all day long, but the guy down the street's doing it. And they're like, that guy's $10 to plug a, t- a tire. It's like, well, I don't plug tires like that. I take the tire all the way off the rim. I inspect the inside of the tire. I make sure the tire is still sound because of how many people drive with low tires. And once we've determined that the tire is sound, I'm happy with it. Then we'll do the plug patch combo. If I don't do that whole process, which, by the way, is not 10 bucks, Like, that takes my tech time. Like, I'm not going to charge 10 bucks to do it. The guy down the street's charging 10 bucks, And he's rolling up and... You're done. Out the door you go. The reason why I brought up Hyundai oil filters is because when the Hyundai switched their design because of the anti-drain back valve issue, they released the TSB and they said, hey, this is the new design. If you don't do this, what's it cause? VVT problems and chain rattle, but after tens of thousands of miles. How many shops, profitable shops, I, I hate that narrative. It's like, these guys don't make money. I was arguing with the, I was trying not to argue with the, the coaches yesterday. You argue These with guys, <laughs> depends if I'm right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 it, depends the, if he thinks he's right. Well, I mean, unless you're going to throw, uh, unless you're going to throw a good argument back at me, like, you know, I always think I'm right. So, um, but you know, okay, that's what the point of the argument is. You kind of want to get it all out there. Anyway, so they, they released the TSB. They said, look, we're having a problem with our engines. This oil filter is uh, specifically and chain rattle in the mornings, that kind of thing, yada, yada, yada. So they released this updated oil filter, and the aftermarket adapted unbelievably slow to the new design. And even to this day, I don't trust the old 1334A to fit on those vehicles. I buy OE oil filter, Kia and Hyundai oil filters, which are on their third or fourth revision. You can tell from the suffix. And so that's all I use. 90% of shops out there uh, there are not. If you had a Hyundai come in, do you necessarily know? You maybe wouldn't even take the car in because it's not. I wouldn't take the car in. But no, I don't don't know what I don't know. And that's the problem is there's so much technicality and so much little things on these cars. Trying to do too much gets you in trouble. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree. But I'm telling you, like, and and here's the thing. This is the frustrating part is as a part supplier, they, they sent out updated. They sent out. They said, hey, we can't sell you the 1334A because it's an older design. Right. They still they still sold them. You know that these the, the these large shops that are just doing steering suspension oil changes that are sending out discounted coupons, mass mailer, everybody showed up. Kia Hyundai's were showing up there getting the wrong oil filter because they had to run out of their stock and they have so many cars in here and they didn't care. That's my point. They didn't care to know. They didn't care to make the adjustment. They were in there for that one car, try to get as much money out the door, and then that's it. You see what I'm saying? I do. And that do. that shop is giving the industry a bad name because they could give two craps about that car. That car is a $600 ticket, and if it's not, push them out the door because I need it. I need ten more cars like that today. I don't. I don't. I, I believe if they knew the problem, were educated. We on were the problem, telling they them. Do it. 
We were well, telling I mean, them. I we were going that, out, handing out flipping papers. Don't install this oil filter. It's going to blow up these cars. The problem is it doesn't come up. The problem doesn't show up for tens of thousands of miles. And then an 80,000 mile car that had no business having a horrible chain rattle at startup has a horrible chain rattle at startup. But who are, who are you telling at the business? The service advisor. I mean, that's... Okay, so, so, sometimes the techs. Depends. Right. But if you don't get it across to the right people... Yeah, sure. Sometimes in my shop, it would be the shop foreman that will put his finger down because he's been to a class or a training. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. And he'll right. go back to the servicer and go, we're not putting that car part on the car. That doesn't meet company standard. Sure. Maybe the service advisor forgot. But yeah, if the service exactly. advisor and the tech, and there's not a chain of custody of the knowledge and information, there's a check and balance because my foreman will yeah. go, oh, no, no, no. That's not company policy. We're not doing that. Mr. You're setting the standard. That's my point is you're setting a specific quality standard at your shop. There's a shop down the street from me. Their name, their but if I don't dental know, is in the if podcast. I don't know about it's the called, Honda. If I don't know about the Hyundai oil filter, you just gave it to my service writer, and my foreman doesn't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. your but your 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 you procedure is not to take the car in. Well, yes. Well, I mean, you're you're mitigating your risk there, is all I'm saying. And I, you know, if you don't know the car, maybe you do a little research on the car. It, you know, because at the end of the day, like for, uh, our philosophy is, I want to be able to take care of your fleet. So yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a tech who absolutely loves Euro. So all the Euro trash that comes in gets sent to that tech. That tech will absolutely sit down and read through the service manual. That's his thing. That's his jam he loves doing. I don't know why. That's his thing. Where, you know, I've got a tech who absolutely loves GM, loves GM trucks. And they obsess over these vehicles. And so, yeah, they know some of these little intricacies that you wouldn't think a normal tech that just works on the car maybe maybe doesn't know but he's in my shop and i've got his his knowledge and so that's our philosophy so we do a little bit of research when we bring a car in that we don't know are not familiar enough with it and i tried to proactively send my guys out to train but can you do enough research does do you if you put an oil filter housing on bmw do you bleed the oil system uh, mr minkler told me to but okay, what well, you didn't know that probably for a long time. Well, I, oh, many, trust me, trust how, me. How many, he car, won't, how many cars went out the door? That zero. Could, that because I motors. didn't touch the car without reaching out to a friend that owns yeah. that knows these. This is what I'm saying. Like, and these people are walking into these larger organizations that don't have that give a crap. Yeah, they don't have that. They don't have the owner in. in the, it doesn't even have to be the owner, but it could be the COO who's meticulous and said, "Hey, we're not going to touch this vehicle without knowing the proper protocol." We're not going to do get in there. And yeah, did we buy the one day service information from? We had to do the whole dog and pony show, and I had I was fully confident in what we were doing because we we tried to do our very best to get as informed as possible on that vehicle before we messed with it. And yeah, it makes a second one, third one, fourth one easier. But again, our philosophy is I'm going to try to get in as many vehicles. There's some that we just. I have no interest in working on that thing. It's not. I had a. I've got a guy that I, I talked to a while back who is a manager of a of a chain store like that, and his exact words were, "Man, it's just a car. Why do you take it so seriously?" Some. There you go. Right. Some. Some just see it that way. Right. And some clients don't even care. I mean, obviously, not who we're working for, but. I. I. Well, there you go. I didn't think about that. Some the, 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 some people just don't care. The client, some clients don't, yeah, and they're not my. They're generally not my target. If they're, no offense, if my client's taking a BMW to you, they don't care enough about the car. 
versus taking it to somebody Insulted. like me. You should be. You should so, be. Yeah. No, but that, no. I mean, it's, if they're taking a, their German car to a general repair, they don't right. value their car in the way that I want my clients to value. Their I, car. I am Euro sorry. Specific Euro. You, only. you, Eurotech, maybe in in what is it, New Brighton, Minnesota? Sure. But you come out to Kansas City and you hit these Euro shops and tell me I'm not more informed, more inqui- equipped to deal with this Euro car than that shop that is quote-unquote euro because that guy there has no business touching anything past like 2006 because that's the last time he was in the dealership and he has since opened his shop i I don't i've got a I had a neighbor right around the corner from me he worked at jag land rover nice guy very successful at this point he has i think 16 bays at this point (laughs) he keeps expanding out in the in the same strip i used to be in this wasn't about you, David. You're just saying next door. So I said, if somebody takes a, a car to a general store like yours, they're not my customer. About him. What's no, that? it's not about him. Everything's not about him. Everything is about is. me. Yeah, everything is about me. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, like, we we would get Land Rovers in. He was a Land Rover Jag specialist. That's what he knew. But he, then he started expanding. He started hiring techs in. And I would go over there and I'd get be like, he didn't have SDD. This is all he works on. He didn't have SDD. He had no access to it, no interest in getting access to it. And when he needed SDD, guess who who he brought it to? The lowly general repair shop that had no business working on Land Rovers and Jags. Why? Because I had flipping SDD. I had access to it. I had a computer set up for it. I had the whole dog and pony show. He didn't. What did he run? Some like low-level autel. He didn't even run like a nice autel. He ran a low-level cheap autel. And that's like, he's like, yeah, that's, that's enough. Is it? Yes, it's a conversation for another day. Sounds like they're ready for us to wrap it up. They don't need you yelling in the background. All right, I'll calm down. So, <laughs> what? This was less awkward than I thought it would be. Why is that? I don't know. Man, I'm offended that it wasn't more awkward. I'm, I can try what's to that? More, should I just start like taking all my clothes off? Make it really awkward. <laughs> I mean, I can make this really awkward for David. <laughs> I, you know, I try to avoid awkward situations. I'd really do. This was good. Yeah. Are you going to unblock him? No. I think I'm going to double block him. <laughs> that, that last comment double just secrets, got me riled up. Double secret block. Like there's a double, double secret. Double. I'm going to create new profiles just to block you. Oh, you're gonna start getting friend requests from random people now. <laughs> you're just yeah. <laughs> just Watch out for somebody named Paul Meadow. Paul Meadow. Yeah. Paul Meadow. Eminem. Eminem. Eminem and Ike and Ike. Guys, thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site. And click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a Patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.